If you'd open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 6 this evening, Revelation chapter 6, as we're now in the sealed judgments, and we're going to be looking at sealed judgment number 2 and 3. They start at verse 3, and here's what we read. When he broke the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come, and another, a red horse, went out, and to him who sat on it, it was granted to take peace from the earth, and that men would slay one another, and a great sword was given to him. When he broke the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, Come, I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand, and I heard something like a voice in the center of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not damage the oil and the wine. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the scriptures, and we thank you for the fact that the future is completely in your sovereign hands. That is a great comfort to us tonight, and we certainly would see clouds forming for things that you are going to do in the tribulation. We see that now. So as we invest our time here on the Lord's Day and on Wednesdays, I pray we would be about carefully understanding the Word of God and applying it to our lives as we wait for the moment when you'll catch us up into the earth of rapture. We pray that you use tonight's study to minister to our minds and hearts. We'll thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to take you back, if you would, to Luke chapter 2, to a statement that was made about the Lord Jesus Christ when he was born. It's in Luke chapter 2, and you have this angelic announcement that is given to the shepherds who are out in the fields watching over their flock by night, and the angels show up to the shepherds in the suburbial areas of Bethlehem, and they say in verse 14 of Luke chapter 2, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. So what the angels announced there is that this baby has been born. His name, of course, is Jesus Christ, and he's the one who brings peace among men. He's the one who's able to bring peace to somebody's soul. He's the one who's also bringing peace to the world. Now, the body of Jesus Christ at this particular time is the church. We're part of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have different gifts and we have different members in the body, but we're all part of the body of Jesus Christ. So if you remove that body, if you take the body of Jesus Christ out of this earth via the rapture, you're not going to have peace on this earth. Once that body of Jesus Christ is removed, it's going to be war. I mean war. Revelation 6 begins with the breaking open of the tribulation seal judgments. And once that Antichrist surfaces, he's not going to bring peace to the world, although he'll speak of peace. But the thing that he's going to really do is he's going to go after an outbreak of war. Daniel predicted that he worships war, and he'll surface bringing a false sense of peace. This is something people need to understand. You cannot possibly have peace in this world without Jesus Christ. You cannot have peace in this world without the Prince of Peace being here in person to reign. And, and every single political election that I've listened to since I can remember listening to them, the candidates are always talking about peace, peace. They're going to figure it out. They're going to somehow come up with a scheme that's going to bring peace to the world. It is not going to happen. 
It will not happen until Jesus Christ comes back and establishes his kingdom. He is the prince of peace. He's the one who's going to establish peace. So all of these political people, as delusional as they are, are just making up stuff that isn't even true. But in this particular judgment, it's going to go to a whole new level, which brings us to seal judgment number two. And this great tribulation judgment is a worldwide outbreak of war. Now, the second seal judgment during the Great Tribulation is going to be a time of distress on this world, the likes of which has never been seen before. Jesus Christ clearly predicted that when he was here. He said, this will be a prelude to my second coming. This will be one of the things you can look for that will indicate my coming is on the horizon. He stressed this point in three synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He said, and you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See to it that you're not frightened, for these things must take place. But that is not yet the end, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Now, I want to show you when this outbreak occurs. So just go back to Matthew 24 for just a moment, please. Matthew chapter 24. And I want to go back to the context of the very words in which Jesus Christ said those things. In Matthew chapter 24, and I want to point out verse 6 of Matthew chapter 24. He says, you'll be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See to it that you're not frightened, for those things must take place. But that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. So I want you to notice there is a strong connection between war and famines, and of course the earthquakes are in that too. But then he says in verse 8, these are merely the beginning of the birth pangs. So this outbreak of war, we understand, is going to take place real early in the tribulation. It is clearly a part of tribulation judgment. This Antichrist will surface, talk in peace, and everybody's going to believe him that he's the politician that can produce peace on the earth. And they're going to buy into that, but it won't be long, and you're going to have this major outbreak of war. And this will not just be a war that is happening somewhere else in the world. And generally speaking, that's what we hear when we hear a war. Something's happened over there somewhere, but we're not really connected to it. This will be a war everywhere in the world. It's going to break out worldwide. Now, there are eight sealed judgment facts that are brought out in this second sealed judgment that I want to show you. Number one, Jesus Christ is the one who breaks the second seal. Verse 3 says, when he broke the second seal. What we see here is that heaven's the one controlling this. Heaven is the one authorizing this. This sealed judgment that goes down in the tribulation is coming right out of heaven. You know, in the 20th century, we, of course, had World War I and we had World War II. And then just from 1990 to 2002, there were 75 wars. In the 21st century, since the year 2000, of course, we know about the war with Russia and Ukraine. That's in the news all the time. There was the Afghanistan War, the Iraq War, the Yemen War, the Darfur War, the Syria War, and the Congo War. All of those are wars that have happened here in the 21st century. Nothing compared to what's described here. We must conclude that when this judgment occurs, where this is a tribulation judgment, it's going to be different than all other things we've ever heard pertaining to war or all other things people have seen that pertain to war. This war judgment begins with a full authorization of Jesus Christ. He's the one in heaven who's authorizing this as a judgment. It's a very unique judgment, and he begins to pour it out right here. He could have brought peace to the world. They didn't want him. 
When he came the first time to offer peace to Israel and offer a relationship with God to Israel, she rejected him. And when he then turned it and offered it to the world, basically the world's rejected him. So he said, fine. You don't want the peace that I can bring to the world? Then what I'll do is I'll just sanction war. And it'll be part of a tribulation judgment that leads to my second coming when I will bring peace. Now, most people don't want to hear that about God. In fact, I would go so far as to say most people don't even know that God says about himself, I'm a warrior. They want to love God. They want a God who's a God that total toleration, never get mad at a fly, would never do anything. But God is sovereign over things that happen, including war. And he uses wars for his purposes. For example, he used the Babylonians to go to war against Israel and destroy people. He allowed them to go in there, destroy Jerusalem and destroy the temple in 586 B.C. He used the Romans to do the same thing in AD 70. In fact, Jesus predicted that in Matthew 24 just before he got into talking about the tribulation judgments. He said there will not be one stone in this city that will be left unturned. He was predicting what Rome would do to Jerusalem in AD 70, which happened just a few years after he predicted it. But the difference between those wars and this one is that it's going to be worldwide. And the purpose of this war will be a worldwide judgment. The purpose of this war literally will be to remove peace from everywhere in the world. Which brings us to the second fact of this judgment. After the second seal is opened by Jesus Christ, the second living creature commands the judgment to come. We see in verse 3, I heard the second living creature saying, come. So here's this high-ranking angel at the throne of God. I mean, there's real sacred, sovereign realities to this judgment. And it's very precise, very orderly in the way this plays out. I mean, this is not just haphazard here. I mean, this is something that is rooted in heaven. This is a judgment that's coming out of heaven. And the verb come is second person, present tense, middle voice, imperative mood verb. What that means is this living creature is giving a heavenly command, imperative mood, to this horse and rider, second person, to come and in and of himself begin the continual process of war. That's what is happening here. God is going to allow the hatred that existed against him and against his word and against his people to come back on this depraved world. He's going to literally allow hatred and war to break loose. And he's going to pour it out straight out of heaven on this world who has rejected him. And that's what this passage certainly teaches us. God can call things into existence that are not presently into existence. And one thing he can call into existence that is not presently into existence is war. If we are pursuing in our lives a life that is lining up with the word of God, he will give us a wonderful life, a life of peace and joy and a lot of wonderful blessings. But if we pursue a life that is not consistent with the word of God, that gets out of sync with God, the Bible makes it clear in multiple passages, the same God who can bless us and cause wonderful things to happen can pull the plug on those wonderful things and let our world just cave in. And that's what he's going to do to the world here. Which brings us to the third fact. The second seal features another horse. We see in verse 4, and another, a red horse. Now the pronoun another, alas, means another of the same kind. It's one of those revelation horses. It's one of those prophetic horses. And as we saw from scripture, this is a horse that patrols the earth somehow in the scheme of the angelic plan of God. These patrolling horses are judgment horses and they can control the earth. They can actually promote peace 
to areas where they can remove peace, as you'll see in just a moment from areas. And that's what this horse is going to do. The fourth fact is the second seal judgment features a red horse. The text says, and another, a red horse went out. Now that is not a typical color for horse. In fact, the Greek word red, peros, is a fiery red like you'd see in a fire truck. We're talking about a bright red fire truck. I mean, you don't see horses that are that color. You don't see horses that look like a bright red fire truck. I mean, they're either chestnut or sorrel, but they're not fiery red. So when you look at a red horse and John's looking at this, he would say, boy, this isn't your average thing here. I mean, this horse is not your average color horse that you're used to seeing when you're here on earth. And I think Walter Scott does a really good job of explaining this in his commentary. The white horse denoted a series of peaceful victories, but this red horse, on the other hand, intimates a period of slaughter and bloodshed. And as we saw last week when we went to those passages in Zechariah, God uses these horse beings to patrol the earth in regard to peace and warfare. They can, as we mentioned Promote peace, they can remove peace. And one of the colors that he uses there is red. In fact, in that text in Zechariah, the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew text, uses the same fiery red color in the translation of that horse. So this fiery red horse is connected to bloody warfare. In fact, in 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 22, the same word is used, and it says, as red as blood. So when this horse shows up in Revelation and is about to unleash the second seal judgment upon the world, it is going to be a worldwide outbreak of bloodshed that will be coming as a direct result of the wrath of God. Now the fifth fact about this is this red horse contains a rider who sat on it. Notice verse 4, and to him who sat on it, it was granted to take peace from the earth and that men would slay one another and great sword was given to him. I want you to notice the pronoun him or he. The rider of this fiery red horse is not named except by the pronoun. We know it's a him. We know it's a he. And actually in Greek, the text is more emphatic than just he because it literally is the one who sat on it and it's masculine. So from the grammar we would conclude that there is a specific rider on this horse, and this specific rider who's on this horse has been authorized by Jesus Christ in heaven to actually go and create war all over the world. And we certainly learned that from Daniel when we looked at those facts pertaining to the Antichrist last Sunday night. One of the things that the Antichrist will have as his character is he'll be a man who worships war. As we saw in Daniel 11.28, he'll honor the God of fortresses. What that means is he will make war as God. I mean, this guy who appeared to be so peace-loving is going to be a guy who literally is going on a brutal vendetta against the whole world. And we suspect that the rider on this red horse is this Antichrist. And at this point, what God lets him do, and God is the one who authorizes him to do this, is wage war against the world. And then eventually, as you'll see, as we move through this book of Revelation, he's going to turn all of his attention to Israel. Now, the point to see here is that Jesus Christ is the one authorizing this judgment out of heaven. This Antichrist can't do a thing without authorization of the Lamb. He cannot do a thing without authorization by Jesus Christ. He basically is in the plan of God just going along for the ride. He doesn't know it. 
I mean, from his perspective, he thinks he's just calling the shots, but his moves are carefully orchestrated by God. The things that he is permitted to do is carefully orchestrated by God to accomplish God's sovereign wrath purposes. And as we will learn later, God controls the very number of days and the hours that he's permitted to operate. God has this all time calculated, and he's not going to go beyond those hours that he's given to operate in this war judgment. Now, the sixth fact is the second sealed judgment will take peace from, from the earth. Verse 4. And it was granted to take peace from the earth. It's an aorist passive verb. This grant is coming from God. What God is granting this judgment to do is remove peace from everywhere in the world. Now, the preposition from where he says to take peace from the earth, is the preposition in Greek, ek. And that is a strong preposition that is used in the Greek language. There are many prepositions that can be translated from. This particular one indicates you're removing it. You're taking it out. In other words, what I understand by the choice of this preposition is God is literally going to remove peace out of the earth. There will be no place on earth that will be a peaceful place. To have peace is a blessing of God, and to not have peace is a judgment of God. And the prepositional phrase, I'm going to remove peace from the earth, ek, from the earth, I'm going to take it out. It is in the earth, I'm taking it out from within the earth, and I'm removing it from the earth. In other words, there will be no peace that people will be able to find anywhere in the world. Again, I go back to this. I do not know of any politician in my lifetime. I don't care what party they're part of. It makes no difference to me. I don't know any politician in my lifetime that didn't claim when they were running for office, we need peace, and I'm going to produce peace. They aren't going to produce peace. There's not a man on this earth that's going to bring peace to this world. It's Jesus Christ who's going to bring peace to this world. And this will not be a world that promotes peace and has peace until Jesus Christ authorizes it. And as you can see what's going on around you right now, things are getting more and more tense. There's lack of peace at different spots now where you wouldn't think there would be a lack of peace, and it's going to escalate until finally what Jesus Christ is going to authorize here is take peace right out of the world. Don't let a place be on this earth where they can find peace anymore. And what is so important to prophetically observe about the Great Tribulation is that it begins with that focus on peace. I mean, it begins with a politician saying peace and safety. That's how he surfaces. He makes a peace deal with Israel. He talks to the world and that he's going to calm things down. And he's the guy who will be the cause of the lawlessness that will bust loose after the rapture of the church. So this great tribulation begins with the world talking about peace, talking about peace, thinking they have peace, a few short days of the tribulation when they think they're having peace, and then shortly after the rapture of the church, God's going to remove peace from the earth. He authorizes the Antichrist to just have at it. Which brings us to the seventh fact, the result of peace removed from the world is men will slay one another. Verse 4 says... He will take peace from the earth that men would slay one another. There are two words I want to point out here. First one is the verb slay. The verb slay is one that emphasizes excessive violence, excessive violent slaughter. And we're talking, it's a word of big numbers. 
So we're talking here about numbers of people slaughtered, lawless violence that's way beyond the normal outbreak of lawless violence like we're seeing now. We're talking about going to a whole new level of violence, people killing people. Now the second word I want to point out there is the pronoun another. I heard that men would slay one another. That pronoun another means another of the same kind. So what I would understand this to mean is when this judgment begins, there's going to be a massive outbreak of civil war that will break out all over the world in every country of the world. There'll be no peace in any country in the world. And it starts off with civil war. There will be excessive violence and murder from within a nation and also from without a nation. I mean, there will be shootings and stabbings, and beatings, and killings. And what will take place here is nationals will kill nationals. Nations will rise up and kill others from other nations. You'll have wars. That's all people are going to be hearing about. Wars, rumors of wars. That's all they're going to see. It'll be a very scary time. And I think, ladies and gentlemen, we're beginning to see the clouds form for that right now. And this judgment will be coming from heaven. This is the same God who one time said, blessed are the peacemakers. Now he's saying, blessed are the peacetakers. They didn't want my son there. They rejected him and what he did for them. So let's pull the plug in all peace. Let's take it right out of the world. Let's let the hatred and the depravity of man run loose and let them kill one another. And that's what they're going to do. Then the eighth fact is this second seal judgment will feature a great sword. We see at the end of verse 4, and a great sword was given to him. Now, that's a different weapon than the bow that we saw last time in verse 2. The bow that had no arrows. I mean, the bow that had no arrows basically meant he's going out and he's talking peace to people. He's not hurting people. When he uses this word, a great sword's given to him. You're talking here about a killer weapon. And the adjective great means this is going to be a mega, mega level war judgment. We're talking about a magnitude of slaughter that's never been seen before. This will be a massive worldwide outbreak of war. And it's interesting to me that the weapon that he describes here, the sword, is a close combat weapon. It's not the big sword that you swing like a baseball bat. I mean, this sword here refers to something like a knife or dagger. So what I would conclude from the choice of this word that is used here is there's going to be a mega level of killing that will take place between people worldwide. And the emphasis of these words is not going to be we're dropping bombs on people. I mean, that's kind of a really a cowardly way to do it in some respects. I mean, you just drop a bomb on somebody. It isn't going to be like that. I mean, you're going to just nuke people. That isn't going to work. I mean, what's going to happen at this judgment is this is a very personal type of killing and bloodshed that's coming where people are murdering each other. People are butchering each other. I mean, people will gun people down. People will take knives and slice people to shreds. People will take hammers and they'll take their fists and they'll beat people senseless. And I am convinced that the violence that we're now seeing is just kind of like clouds forming of a prelude to that, but it's nothing compared to this. That will be seal judgment number two. Then, after that... Come seal judgment number three, which is a worldwide famine. Verse five says, when he broke the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, come, I looked and behold a black horse 
And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand, and I heard something like a voice in the center of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not damage the oil and wine. Now again, when Jesus spoke of the coming tribulation, he said in the three gospels that one of the things that will be a prelude to his second coming is going to be this famine. I mean, there are famines that exist in various parts of the world. We're talking here worldwide stuff, a judgment of God. This is an eschatological famine. This is an eschatological prediction. And as we read in Matthew, when Jesus was talking about this as being the beginning of the birth pangs, he closely connected it to war and he closely connected it to an earthquake. Now, famine is a natural byproduct of war. If you have war going on all over the place, it's going to affect the agricultural world. I mean, farmers are going to stop planting and harvesting crops. I mean, when they think, I'm going to go out there and get killed, they're not going to go out there and, and harvest or plant crops. And food and crops that are available are going to be taken by spoils or as spoils by the war winner. Whoever is winning the most is going to take the food. And then also much of the land used for crops is going to be destroyed by the war. And since sealed judgment number two is an unleashing of worldwide war, it's natural to observe, man, there's going to be food shortages here. I mean, worldwide food shortages that are going to be a major problem. And there have been instances when there have been food shortages in the world. This will be like no other thing the world's ever seen. And there are six facts to see in it. First of all, this third seal judgment starts when Jesus Christ breaks open the third seal. Verse 5 says, and he broke the third seal. You know, I've thought about this because the Lord Jesus Christ, when he came to this earth, said, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. That's what he wanted to do. He came to this earth so people could have a relationship with God and they could have an abundant life. That's what he loves to do for people. He loves to come into their world and into their lives and he loves to save them from their sins. He loves to give them an abundant life and bless them. They didn't want him. They didn't want him. Most people don't want him. Most people in this world don't want him. They'd rather rely on themselves or their religion than they would him. They don't want him. So what he says is, okay, fine. You don't want my abundant blessings. You don't want my abundant program. I'll give you a starvation program. And during the tribulation, I will see to it that I, as a judgment of God, have a famine hit worldwide. The second fact that's brought out is this third seal judgment begins with a third living creature commanding it to come. That's what you see in verse 5. I heard the third living creature saying, come. Again, this angelic being is intimately connected to the judgment of God. I mean, these judgments are coming right out of heaven. John is watching this. He's seeing every bit of this. And he's realizing the wrath of God is coming right from the throne of God. And what needs to be seen here and understood here is that God is still sovereign and God is still accomplishing his sovereign purposes even when people are starving to death as a direct judgment from him. And we saw that when we went through the book of Lamentations. God said, you've turned against me. You won't turn back to me. I mean, you'll look everywhere else except but to me, so fine, I'll let you starve to death. I mean, you'll get to a point where you're actually involved in cannibalism, and it happened. I mean, we saw that. It happened in the days when the Babylonians went in and routed Jerusalem. It happened again when the Romans went in in AD 70. I mean, they reverted back to food shortages that led to cannibalism. Now, God doesn't 
delight in that. God delights in caring for his people. God delights in providing for his people and blessing his people. But when you have a world that turns against him and you have a world that turns against his word, he said, I'll just pull all the plugs. In the tribulation, that's what he's got to do. In the great tribulation, he will pull all the plugs on everything, including the food supply. Which brings us to the third fact. This judgment features a black horse. Verse 5 says, I looked and behold a black horse. John said, I saw this. I saw this. There's no question we can connect the color black, melas, which is the color of this horse with the judgment of starvation because we saw that in Lamentation. And Jesus makes a direct contrast of colors in Matthew 5.36 and he says you cannot make one hair white or black, and the color white is the first horse, the color black is the third horse, and this authorization of this black horse that's causing people to starve to death is coming as a judgment of the sealed judgments of God. Then the fourth fact is this third sealed judgment featured a rider on it with a pair of scales. We see in verse 5, he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. Again, we're using the pronoun he and him. Now, these scales tell us something about food supply during the tribulation. The food supply is going to be rationed. And the food supply is going to be carefully measured. During the great tribulation, food prices are going to skyrocket. They're going to get way out of control. And the point of having this writer with a pair of scales is... He's measuring what you can get or actually how little you can get for your money during the tribulation. In fact, it won't be an issue of how much can you get for your money. It'll be how little can you get. I don't think people even give a thought to this principle, but economies are controlled by the sovereign God of the Bible. He controls all economies of the world. God is the one who actually controls the amount of food available to people. He controls the amount that the food costs, and he can tilt those scales any way he wants them to go. He can tilt those scales to the point that his people can't even hardly afford anything. Or he can tilt those scales so they can get a lot for their money. That's what he's going to do in the Great Tribulation. He's going to ratchet it up. I mean, there's going to be a real rationing of food, and it's going to be costly. Which brings us to the fifth fact. The third seal judgment is a judgment of horrible inflation. Look at what's described in verse 6. I heard something like a voice in the center of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius. Now again... John noticed this is coming right out of the center of the throne of God. This is not just some lousy mismanagement taking place on earth. This is coming as a judgment right out of the center of the throne of God. The authorization of horrible inflation is coming directly from the Lord. And what is specifically said is during this time, a quart of wheat can be purchased for a denarius and three quarts of barley may be purchased for a denarius. Now, a denarius was a Roman coin worth about a day's wage. So the idea here is you would need a day's wage to purchase one quart of wheat or three quarts of barley. Barley mixed with wheat was cheaper and also less nutritious, but you could make it last longer. And by mixing barley with wheat... You could actually use it for bread and cereal, and it would give you a little more than if you just went with wheat. Now, the average person would eat about a quart of wheat for one day. Herodotus, who is a, 
Greek historian said a quart of wheat or corn was typically a day's supply of food for one of Xerxes' soldiers. So what we would learn from this is that it will take almost one day's wage that a person would make in one day just to buy food for one day. So no man could say, well, I'm going to go out and work and supply food for the family. I'm going to work and get enough money to supply food for the family. That would be impossible. Because you're only going to be working for one day to supply your own food need for one day. And of course, the Antichrist is going to use this to get control of the world. He's going to use this to get control of the masses of people. He's the guy behind all of this. I mean, he's going to make it possible that nobody can buy or sell anything. Unless they receive his mark, that you'll see later. Unless they receive his name, or unless they receive the number of the beast. He will make sure that he'll use this famine and food business that's taking place in the world to control the economy. And he'll make sure that you can't even buy or sell anything if you're not connected to me. And later he'll just take it completely over. Those living in the first century would have mathematically calculated that this was 12 to 15 times higher. 12 to 15 times higher than what they normally would pay for food. Dr. Ellen Johnson said it will cost a person 12 times what it normally would cost for food during the tribulation. So if a gallon of milk costs $4, it'll cost $48. If a gallon of gas is $10, it'll be $120 a gallon. If a loaf of bread costs $2.50, it'll cost $30. You say, are we moving toward that? Well, yesterday, Mary went down to a market to buy a loaf of bread, seven bucks. Seven bucks. I realize that's a long way from 30, but it's inching up toward that. What we're seeing here are the clouds forming. And this literally will be a time on earth when God's people will need to pray, give us this day our daily bread. People who are right with God, who have not trusted Christ before the tribulation begins, are literally going to have to ask God, please give us this day our daily bread, because they're going to be looking to find it. The sixth fact is the third seal judgment protects two commodities. And you'll notice at the end of verse 6, do not damage the oil and the wine. Now there are two things that God is going to permit to exist throughout the tribulation, oil and wine. And the command that he gives to not hurt or damage the oil and wine is given to the third horseman. So these are two items that will be available if people can afford them. Some have taken the position that only the rich will be able to get this, the oil and the wine. It will be there in existence, but only the rich will be able to buy it. You know, it is interesting to me that according to the wine industry's report of May 2022, Wine has increased in price 30% because oil prices have increased 60 to 100%. So there is something going on here with the numbers. And in 2021, it was predicted that oil reserves are going to run out. I don't think so. Fact of the matter is, I think oil is there, and all you have to do is go down there and get it if we had people that didn't have enough sense to do it. I mean, it's there for the taking because the oil is here. The oil is, by God, not going to ultimately be completely eliminated. Both oil and wine were staple products, not luxury items. Now, the oil that, of course, would have existed in the first century would have been like olive oil. 
It isn't the oil coming out of the ground, although by virtue of the fact they just use the noun oil, we make the assumption it's olive oil, but it covers the whole gamut of oil. And wine was a drink, and olive oil was used for many things. It was used for trading. People would trade it. People would use it for food and light and fuel and medicine and anointing and cosmetic purposes. This third seal judgment against the world will be the most severe famine to hit the world, and there will be a high inflation And there will be a scarcity of food. And only rich people will be able to survive for a little while. They'll show up in Revelation 6.15. They'll survive for a while, but not long. Those are sealed judgments two and three. Now, I want to just wrap this up by making two simple observations. Number one, clouds are forming right now for all of this stuff. You'd have to be as blind as a bat not to see what's going on in the world, what's going on in the country, what's going on in Michigan or around this nation. You'd have to be blind not to see it. Clouds are forming. There is an increase of people buying weapons. Murders, according to FBI statistics that were carried out by handguns, were over 6,000. Murders that were carried out by unknown firearms, over 3,000. Murders that were carried out by knives were nearly 1,500. Murders that were carried out by blunt objects like hammers and blunt objects of that nature were nearly 1,600. Murders that have been carried out by hands and feet and fists with people beating someone to death are at 600. Shotgun murders are at 200. And rifle killings are 364. People are right now buying weapons. What are they getting ready for? The tribulation. The tribulation. Most of these people that are buying these weapons are not in love with Jesus Christ. By the way, I'm for the right to own weapons and bear arms, believe you me. But most of the people that are going and buying these things aren't doing this because they think that they're going to be raptured and they just want to have this for protection. There's something moving them to buy these weapons. What is it? What is it? It's a stirring, a cloud forming. So all these people have weapons. When the rapture occurs, when the seal judgment number two is broken open by the Lord Jesus Christ, they're going to start blasting with those guns, slicing with those knives, beating with their hammers, and killing people with their hands. So those clouds are forming right now. Look at inflation. Just look at it. California, they're paying $10 for a gallon of gas. Ten bucks. Did you ever think you'd see that? Clouds are forming. There's observation number one. Observation number two, you don't want to be here when this happens. You don't want to be here. And there's a way to escape it. It's be in Jesus Christ. See, what Christ is going to do before all of this begins, he's going to take his body out of here. He can't have total outbreak of war when he has his body here. So he's going to remove his body via rapture. And I think the clouds are forming for that as well. And if you will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have not a thing to worry about concerning this tribulation because you'll be gone before any of this hits. And may God help you to believe in the Lord. Let us pray.
If you've never trusted Christ as Savior, settle it tonight. Just settle your eternity tonight. Just admit the truth that you're a sinner and invite Jesus Christ into your life to be your Savior. Our Father, we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you for the prophecies that you've put in your Word. We'd have to be as blind as bats not to see clouds forming that are forming right now for the very events that you're going to unleash in the tribulation. And we know that these are just clouds forming. What we've studied in the last couple of Sunday nights are scary things. And I pray, Lord, that we would be people who would be solid people, focused on your word, focused on doing your will until you call us up to meet you in the sky. In Jesus' name, amen.